Welcome to the Manager Tools Members Only Podcast. Today's topic, how to answer the leadership style question. This is Mike, and welcome back to Manager Tools. It's been a while since we've done one of these monthly podcasts, and we apologize profusely. And we also realize that we've been on this interviewing topic for for a while, so it looks like the month of September is interviewing month. If you're not interested in interviewing topics, I, I, I promise that next month we'll, we'll get off this uh, horse we're riding right now and get on a different horse. In any case, today's topic is how to answer the interviewing question, describe your leadership style. Well, this is perhaps the third most important interviewing question after tell me about yourself and then behavioral questions. If you haven't done some thinking about how you lead and motivate others and why others perform when you're leading them, this can be a tough one. In this cast, we walk through how to prepare to answer and how to deliver an impressive answer. Finally, at the end of the show, we share a crucial test that your answer must test. While you probably already know the answer to the test, it catches most people off guard. We're going to talk about how to avoid that. So, with that, here we go. So this is definitely one of those topics that really shows how important communication skills are as a manager. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, you know, whenever I interviewed potential managers, now this this is whether they had experience or not, I asked this question. It showed not only who had the basic skills in this area, but also, very importantly, who was a good communicator. Yeah, I think people miss that when it comes to interviewing, that even if you do have the skills, if you can't sell it, if you can't communicate it, you, you don't get credit for it. It's, it's one of Horseman's laws. You don't, you know, the recruiter doesn't give you credit for what you've done. They only give you credit for what they know that you've done. Um, and if you can't communicate it or if you, you don't do the research, then you won't be effective. I, I can see it in your situation. Um, you as an effective executive and as a student, it must have been hard. You know, you're a student of management and leadership, so you're going to put an extra, you know, some extra weight on this particular answer. Um, your success was built on your ability to motivate and inspire others. T- tell me, how did you, what was your experience with their answers? <laughs> uh, that, that should, that should say it all right there, but yeah, they were rarely, rarely good. The thing is though, that the good ones, the good answers came from candidates who turned out to be flipping great. And, you know, which makes a lot of sense if you think about it. And the bad ones were just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is one of those questions whose answer spreads the field. Uh, I, I often draw in, in the air in front of me a bell curve, and then I pretend to grab the ends of the string, if the string made up the bell curve, and pull them apart. Um, it spreads the field. It makes it easier to see who top performers are and who people in the middle are and people who at the bottom are. When When, when I asked a question, I I get a lot of rambling, I, which I think just shows that there's there's a lack of preparation. They may, in fact, have three or four key points that are good. They may, in fact, be a good leader, but they're not prepared. They can't deliver the answer. And it goes back to that old thing, well, is he rambling because he's just not prepared? <laughs> or is he rambling because he doesn't have the skill I'm looking for? And... Either if one's we take, not good. <laughs> he, 
<laughs> you know, what are we going to do? You say, well, I'm sure he has the skills and he's just a, he's just having a bad moment at this time. So I'm going to like him anyway. Um, so yeah, lack of preparation and rambling. Yeah, that, that, that has been my experience as well. Now, let me, before we go on, let me make a, a quick point here for those who may be listening who aren't necessarily interviewing right now, engage in being interviewed and, and maybe interviewing others and, and, and aren't interviewing for leaders. Cause I want to make a point here, which is I always, always ask this question, uh, regardless good. of whether I was interviewing for a leadership position or not. And this goes back to our bench. We're always looking for people who have leadership potential. And if the organization does well, if the company does well, I'm going to have to grow. And to do that, I'm going to have to have leaders. And so I'm always, whether it's technical position or not, I'm looking for leaders. And this is a great question to try to ferret that out a bit. Boy, you know, I, um, I think of this so tactically, so narrow in terms of it fitting into an interview. I never thought about it, but you're right. And in, in fact, I, um, it's a good, I, I'd be willing to bet that a lot of people don't ask this question and then they don't see p- people who, who have leadership experiences, whether it's just team leadership or project management leadership experience. And if they don't ask, they, they can't get any sense of that from the interview they are giving. Um, and that, that makes it harder. You, you have to work harder when it's time to promote somebody and you really haven't paid any attention to it. And I suspect if you're not asking in the interview, you're not looking as hard for it when they're working for you. And that makes it all the more difficult. Suddenly, when you need somebody with those kind of skills, it's a little bit harder to find it because you haven't been looking for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, That's so good. given all that, how, how do we help our members and listeners prepare for, for these well, kind of questions? B- b- before, we, before we go over the, the, that, let me just say something else about that, that, the point you just brought up, which is um, if you're interviewing and you ask this question – we're about to tell you what to look for in the answer as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you do think about it, here, here are the things we recommend you look for. This is a good high-level sort of acid test of the kind of answer you should expect to get, what we would consider to be a very, very good answer. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. If, and if you're interviewing folks, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I had, you know, 10, 15 questions in my back pocket that I always asked, and I had thought about them in this level of detail. Right, and that's that's the difference between a really really good interviewer and somebody who's just winging it. And you know, let, let me add one more point, which is not in the show <laughs> notes, but now that we're talking about it, I think it's I think it's a great point. And that is, if you have someone who does something that you find egregious, or that you're certain you're not going to offer them, that they have essentially ruled themselves out, there's nothing wrong with asking a couple of hard questions like this one in a row in order to help them believe that they haven't done well in an interview. And I think we're going to do a cast on that at some point, but, but, uh, I used to do that all the time. I used to ask tough questions of people that I had already ruled out, uh, to make it easy, um, for them to agree with me ruling them out. Yeah. You're just, but anyway, you're just cruel. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's not cruel, but people know it's going to be a tough interview. Um, I don't, I, I make no apologies for having tough interviews. I'm very nice when I interview. I'm sweet. I'm kind. I'm pleasant. I, we, we'll, we'll have coffee. We'll chat. Um, and you're going to get a tough interview. And I think, I think that says something to my team too, which is you can't get here. It's not easy. Um, if you've made it, you've gone through uh, a tough uh, process. And that makes people on the team feel like 
Um, you know, it's the old saying, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Right. And when that person so. does get hired, having gone through that tough interview, they, they have immediately an idea of what the standards are of the organization. And it's a great exactly. tone setter. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And when they say to the, when say to everybody, hey, you know, that was a tough interview. They say, yep, we don't, we don't mess around. We want good people here. If you passed it, well done. Uh, they, they feel good first day on the job. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the rites of passage, your fraternity. Yeah. Hazing. <laughs> I don't mean and, that yeah. way. Fraternities and sororities do this very thing. And I think we went through it too for a little while at the yeah, academy. A but A little bit. Anyway. Okay. Okay. We've got, we've got um, three areas for today's cast. First is preparation. Then we're going to talk about delivery, and then we're going to end with um, uh, a, a special sort of final note. In preparation, we've got four areas. You need to review your accomplishments from your past when you had leadership or management responsibilities, even if they were small, just one other person. Uh, you want to look for behavioral and communication themes. You want to think about your DISC profile. And then what you do is choose two to four themes that you believe accurately describe your style, your management or leadership style. Uh, in terms of delivery, you definitely want to deliver your topic sentence first. You want to provide some meta communication. You're going to elaborate on each theme using visual examples. You'll want to be careful with your vocabulary. And then you're going to end with a short wrap-up. And and the last part, the third part of this cast, if you will, is going to be how you pass the final test that this question provides you. And we're not going to reveal it till the end of the cast just because it's it's um, you need to know it. But as soon as we say it, people will get it. And, and I want people to listen till the end because... If you just listen to the beginning and you think you got this without the middle, you won't do any good. Yeah, good point. Okay, so let's start with preparation. Right. Okay, so first we recommend that uh, you review your accomplishments of any situation where you led or managed. Um, this is where all the other preparation we recommend um, in the interviewing series, and, and in general, people have heard us talk about that, that preparation is the key. Um, this is where it pays huge dividends. Look, we know, we totally understand that folks don't go through life having worked out their leadership style and simply put it into action. In other words, by the time you're 18, you say, okay, my approach to people and leadership situations is A, B, C, D, E doesn't happen that way. Most people find their way. I don't know about most people. For me, I know that I felt my way in the dark a little bit. Um, it, it's it, And when you think about it, it's kind of funny to say it this way, but I bet the majority of young people listening to us right now spend more time thinking about what to wear when they go out for an evening than they do about how to lead and motivate a group of people. It's just another example of the absurdity of management being an extension of our personalities. We hear that all the time. Right. Um, and that, that it can't be taught, that it is innate or, or somehow not measurable or unable to be systematized, right? Yeah, exactly. You're so right. Um, I, I think it gives people an excuse to just wing it constantly. And, and, and you find somebody who's good who wings it next to somebody who's not good who wings it. And you say, well, it must be an extension of their personality because there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to this. Um, in this case, though, we really do understand that you can have a great leadership style 
and not know how to communicate it. So, so what that means is in a way, knowing you're going to be asked this question in an interview is a good thing. Because I wonder if anyone would ever think about their leadership or management style clearly without this goad of having to regurgitate it on command. And, and let me let me interrupt myself here, Mike, with a point about management and leadership. Um, I saw uh, uh, several months ago a comment about management versus leadership on the forums um, and what's the difference and people getting wrapped around the axle and so on about about uh, nomenclature and verbiage. It was almost like watching someone trying to, to, to wordsmith a mission statement, which is just about the least fun thing someone can do. <laughs> yes. Right. We, 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 we like mission statements. We just hate meetings getting together where we craft them. Um, it, 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 we're not making a distinction between management and leadership. And the reason why is very simple. This cast is about he- helping you do well in an interview where you get asked this question. 95% of the people who ask you this question are not making a distinction between the words management and leadership. And if you spend some time trying to tell them what the difference is, they're going to think that you think you're smarter than them and interviewers don't like that. So don't do it. If, if they say, what's your management style? And you say, well, my leadership style is. I had that happen to me once. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, are, are you, are you just making a distinction between leadership and management? And the person said, yes, I'm, I'm surprised that you um, asked me what my management style is. You know, that I, I, I really don't have one. It's all about leadership. I'm like, oh, okay, oh great. So, okay, that's good. That, well, that's smart a start. In yeah. fact, one of my favorite, my second favorite Dilbert cartoon shows Dilbert interviewing um, a young engineer. Um, and it's amazing how good a cartoonist someone can be that they can just draw a face and some glasses and so on a little different. And the, and the, the person Dilbert is interviewing definitely looks younger. And, and the, in the first panel, he, um, the, the candidate says, it, it's kind of ironic that you're interviewing me because my engineering skills are current while yours are ancient. <laughs> and it, in the next panel, it just shows them staring at each other. And in the third panel, the young engineer is hitting himself on the forehead going, Oops. Oh, ooh, I forgot. I forgot people skills. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, folks, don't try to make a distinction between leadership and management. If somebody asks, what is your management style? They're not asking you for your administrative skills. They're asking the same question as leadership, which is how do you motivate and inspire a team of people to achieve a tough or challenging goal? In other words, when you have done it in the past, what common traits, characteristics, skills, or abilities do you bring to the table on a regular basis so that we can count on you to leverage. The ultimate leverage in organizations is leadership and management. All those are the systems that we have measures for and so on, that's great. But the one we don't have measurement for, unfortunately, is leadership and management. And that is why um, what we believe manager tools exist is to help people wrestle with this. Don't make a distinction between management and leadership. Either word is used to ask about your ability to motivate, inspire, uh, encourage, uh, goad, whatever word you want to use, a group of people to achieve more than they would have if you had not been their leader. Um, okay. And, and hopefully people don't feel like I was on my soapbox there. I just don't want people getting tangled up in a definition which has no validity or no value in this discussion of this interviewing question. It's a contextual uh, use of management and leadership interchangeably. We're not yeah. suggesting that management and leadership are interchangeable. We're suggesting in this context, the words are used um, equally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point because this is management leadership. It's one of those things that it scares folks, this kind of question. 
Yeah, I, um, I I think it scares them in part because they know they spend more time, and, and I, I was guilty of it too for a long time. We spend more time looking at what we're going to wear rather than thinking about how do I lead and manage. And w- once you've studied, once you you know, I, I tell people all the time, um, if, if once you measure something, um, it gets visibility. Once you or once you measure something, it gets reported. Once it gets reported, it gets visibility. Once it gets visibility, it gets attention. Once it gets attention, it gets changed for the better. Um, if you start paying attention to how you lead and manage, um, you're probably going to be better at it. And that's why being asked this question is a good thing because your preparation for it will bring to light probably some things that you think you're good at, but you know, you could do better. Um, and, and I, I also think if you're, if you're younger, another reason it scares you, I think you're right, Mike, is because early on in people's career, folks mess up their first few management and leadership opportunities and it's hard to feel good about talking about how they did those things when they messed them up. Um, but it doesn't mean that that e- even if you mess them up, that could be good fodder for your answer because it will remind you of what your style is. It's not always your style that causes something to fail. And early on, we expect people to make mistakes. Yeah. Well, well one point I like to throw in here is, is everything we're going to talk about here is about the key of making inferences from your background. Now, if you if you're listening to this and you expect us to have done some study about about what interviewers want to hear oh, and tell good. you how to answer that, you are not going to find it here. Everything we talk about has a basis in being ethical and moral. Yes. And you cannot make up this answer. What we're talking about is how to take your leadership st- style, determine what it is, and talk about it effectively. This is all about taking inferences from your background and turning that or turning that into an effective answer. Boy, you know, that is, I, you're absolutely right. It's that's not in the show notes and man, I forget you're right. I bet some people are probably thinking, oh, they're going to tell me the four things I need to say to look good. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what they want. But yeah, it's not. You're going to have to dig through your background and find out what you did and how well you did it and why you did it that way and look for themes and patterns. Yeah, we, we, we certainly have a structure that will make a good leadership uh, experience, a good leadership uh, um, style effectively communicated, um, but we can't make things up for you. We can't do that. Okay, so here's how. Um, it, it, it's really pretty simple. When you go back through your accomplishments, when you led or managed, whether it's one or two or 50 people, you go back over those accomplishments and you take the pile of accomplishments that have as one of their skills or traits, leadership or management and review them. Okay. As you first go through them, ask yourself two questions at key moments how did I behave? In other words, what actions did I take? And by the way, key moments would be in the beginning, uh, at, at checkpoints along the way, at crises along the way, and at the end. And then secondly, when and how did I talk to the team and its individuals? Leadership is at its heart behavior and communication. And so we want you to look for those vignettes, those moments um, for your behaviors and your, your, the way you communicated, what you communicated, how you communicated it. And 
those things are, uh, what you want to be doing is harvesting those from the accomplishments. Yeah, which is, which is all about our second preparation point, which is this all about behavioral and communication themes, things you can describe, things that right. people can visualize. It's not about right. theoretical, theoretical statements. Right. Well, yeah, basically what you do is you pile up, you, you, you take a subset of the leadership and management example pile, and you say, what behaviors did I engage in? What communication uh, um, uh, techniques did I use? And, and you look for the themes through all of your examples. Okay. Now, now if you're if you're newer to the corporate world, or you're in the nonprofit world, or you're just starting your career, whatever career that might be, it might include teams in high school. It might include teams in college. It might include the debate team or nonprofit. All that stuff where you had to motivate, where you were you were in charge of a group of three people. That counts. Those all count. Okay. And so we get to our second point, which is behavioral and communication themes. As you go through examples, um. Look, looking for those behaviors and your communication, the frequency of communication, the type of communication, see if you can infer from that something that describes more broadly a way in which you approach leadership or management challenges. And I suspect for some people, if you've never been asked this question before, or let's say you've never thought about it before, um, and I, I, it occurs to me that there are managers listening to us right now, Mike, who have not been asked this question but are in management roles, which means somebody's not doing their job in terms of management. Not that these people, not that our listeners don't deserve to be managers, but that they didn't go through the, um, the appropriate test <clears throat> along the way. Um, but basically, it's pretty simple. You're going to actually learn something. You're going you're gonna to be perhaps surprised by the inference you draw. And you're going to say, wow, I didn't realize it, but I'm a real stickler for over-communicating. Or I'm a real stickler for having a clear goal at the start. I guess I was just kind of doing that because my mom told me to do it that way or my bosses told me to do it that way. But now you can talk about that in an interview because you've done the homework. We also encourage folks think about their disc profile. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you don't need to have taken the disc profile. Probably um, you can get a pretty good sense of it if you just know a little bit about it. If you've listened to our cast, probably that will help a little bit. Certainly we encourage it. We believe it's better. Uh, to know, to have the data in front of you. But if you've got a disk profile, and you, you uh, if you're like everyone else we know, you find it unerringly accurate, um, it's an extra source of insight into your behaviors. It's also, I think, a really good check on yourself to make sure you're on the right track. What you do here is you review your disk profile, and you think about those keywords that are used to define your tendencies, the things you tend to do more often than not. Remember, we all have all four of the natural preferences in us at all times. The, the profile essentially shows your tendencies to lean one way or the other. And look for them and see if you don't see those kinds of tendencies in your examples. This is a way to help you see an inference, draw an inference that you wouldn't normally see. You may not have the words for it, but then the disk profile really helps give you words for it. Um, also, if you end up with a bunch of behaviors or communications that seem to contradict your disk, go back through those examples again 
and maybe you were reading them wrong. Or maybe those examples are from 10 years ago, and now in your present role, you realize you lead differently than you used to. A lot of times, Mike, what happens is people have, they interviewed, say, four or five years ago, and they have a really good uh, um, database of their accomplishments up until then. But in preparing for these, this, this upcoming interview that they've got, they haven't updated their accomplishments so their more recent accomplishments aren't in there. So the change in their style of leadership and management is not really obvious when they harvest from the accomplishments. Right. So, so what you want to do is, and it would not surprise me at all if, if uh, some of our technical listeners started out as being high C's, but migrated toward the high D or maybe even a little I or S when they got into a management leadership role. And if all they're doing is using earlier examples from their past where they were technical and specific and very detail-oriented, those things don't sell well if you're interviewing for an executive position. You've got to have some D or some I, some of that, cha- some of that motivation to change people. Um, so it's unlikely at this point that you're off that much from your disc profile. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And- Okay, and then, and then finally, our, our last step in terms of the preparation is to choose two or th- you know some two, somewhere between two and four themes that describe your style. Uh, we're not making this complicated; just simply. Well, let, let, let's agree. Sorry to interrupt. We don't want to say somewhere between two and four because that that would be pretty easy. That would be three. three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so two would work. Four would work. Between two and four would work. Two yeah. to four well, things. I mean, really. I had a guy once who was exceptionally good come up with one, but he ended up really having subpoints to it, um, and he had three subpoints. So we're, we're not going to mandate it can only be four. Some people, I, I suppose you could have five, but if you need some guidance, two to four is a good range to look for. And we're simply saying just t- just saying, okay, what are my key behaviors, communications, and or themes that I can then be persuasive about regarding my way of leading others? You're totally right. For example, it might be goal setting. It might be regular communication. It might be resource gathering. Maybe you, maybe what you learn is that it's team communication. Maybe you believe in empowerment. Maybe it's collaborative decision making. It might be delegation. It might be proactive communication. It might be customer service. It might be servant leadership and over communication and, um, uh, and, and motivation or, or cheerleading. Whatever it is, as you look at your background, look at your disc, look for those themes, this approach not only gives you the themes, it also helps you have plenty of examples because you'll know where that theme came from. And it'll also make you feel good. It will, it will make you feel more confident that you're actually thinking about your past and you're inferring from your past rather than thinking, what do they want to hear? Because I've seen too many answers that come across as a, what I think the recruiter wants to hear. And then it's shallow and thin and you can poke holes in it. Right. And there's some foreshadowing about a point we're going to be talking about later and why this doesn't oh, work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's it for preparation. Now, now let's get on to delivery. Our first recommendation is to deliver your topic sentence first. Why is that? Yeah, this is just a form of bluff, bottom line up front. Um, I, you know, recently, Mike, on, on the forums, I um, I mentioned to someone, boy, it would really help me if you would 
put your question first, and some people have been doing it, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, particularly when um, someone's dealing with a difficult situation and it's six or seven paragraph long question. And, and if I have to read the question through and then read the, the background through first and then get the question, it's so hard because I don't know how to filter. I don't know how to how to understand the validity or the context of the information they're giving me if I don't hear the question until the end. Um, so this is just a form of bluff. Put your bottom line up front. Make sure in the first sentence you answer the question. For instance, look, in an interview, that's what we're talking about here, in an interview, when you're asked for your GPA, you know, that only tends to happen up until the time probably you're 30, um, maybe even not that long. When you're asked for your GPA, you answer with the number. The joke I think we've we've mentioned somewhere else. If someone asks you what your GPA is, and and, and you start with well, the recruiter immediately has a bad emotional response <laughs> because well is not a number. Um, so by the same for the same reason, bottom line up front, when you're asked for your leadership style, don't do anything. Don't preface it. Don't preamble it. This is not the U.S. Constitution. Don't do anything before you hit us with your leadership style. In the first sentence, folks, first sentence, first sentence, first sentence. It sounds like my leadership style is I set a goal. I delegate more than others would probably recommend. I over communicate and then I instill a sense of urgency. Or um, I would describe my style of leading as collaborative with a focus on goals and communication. First sentence, first sentence, first sentence. I, I guess that means <laughs> first sentence. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, don't we, yeah, sure. In, in, in um, um, the significant accomplishment question, we do the same thing. We say, look, your first sentence should be my most significant accomplishment or an accomplishment that shows that I can communicate with diverse backgrounds is blank, 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 whatever it is, period. And, and that, we hang everything off that in the answer. Um, it works. And then every once in a while, you get somebody in front of you and they think, maybe I should just wander around and paint a picture and create a dynamic tension in the recruiter's mind about what he or she is going to hear. And if I wander around the, the, the topic for a while, they'll start to paint in the numbers for them. And they promptly drive the recruiter <laughs> totally and completely crazy. Did the big, bad interviewee drag you along a little bit during yeah. your past executive recruiting career? <laughs> if anyone ever said, if anyone ever does that to me, I'm, I'm going to stop and say, I, I'm sorry, my head's about to explode and I really don't think it'll be pretty or helpful to you. So can you please just get to the point? Um, some people, you know, it's funny, Mike, some people tell me they can't get through the 10 interview questions that are, that our interviewing tool puts together. And, and, uh, I say, well, it, it's, it's not your fault. It's the candidate's fault because they're not answering the questions. Some of the questions can be answered in three or four minutes. Um, but candidates have a tendency to wander around aimlessly in the, in, in the desert before they come to the oasis, if yeah. they ever get there. Yeah, so in, in that light, we'll stop wandering around and yes. <laughs> answer the second point of the delivery, which is provide some meta-communication. Now, what do we mean by that, provide some yeah. meta-communication? Simple. Uh, after you deliver your first sentence, and by the way, folks, a sentence ends in a period. When I hear your first period in an answer, in this answer, I expect to know the major themes or topics or, or paragraphs, if you will, or supporting points of your leadership style. I know you're going to have a couple of commas in there. That's okay. okay but meta communication is after you deliver your that first sentence, your second sentence describes 
the organization of your answer. Help us understand what you're going to be telling us in advance. In the military, they call this, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you told them. Okay? Um, it sounds like, let me expand on each of those three areas and give you some brief examples. Or let me take them one at a time. I've got three areas I want to expand upon. I'll give you some examples, and hopefully that'll be helpful to you. Yeah, well, I, I've been waiting for you to say example here because there are two things I saw a lot of folks do, and both are dead wrong. First, they give two to three minute examples, nearly full-blown answers all by themselves in the middle of this answer. Uh -huh. That's way too long. Or they simply ignore the actual question and try to answer with one example, which is completely inappropriate, folks. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. They actually say, well, let me give you an example. And I've gotten to the point now as, a, as an interviewer, I say, no, no, don't. And you'll know why in a little bit. But, but regardless, uh, if, I'm, if I'm in a less than great mood, if they're interviewing at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and I've already gone through 10 interviews, I'll say, no, please, I'm sorry, don't. Um, I really want you to tell me what your style is. Now, if I'm in a good mood in the morning, I'll say, hold that thought. I'd really like to know your style because an example may not be completely your style. And of course, what they want to do is give you, your give you their very best accomplishment that has to do with leadership or management. And that is not a substitute for them understanding what their style is. You know, uh, the, the unexamined life is not worth living. The unexamined leadership style cannot grow. This question is not the equivalent of the political advice that says, well, regardless of what the reporter asks you, say yes. these five points. Th that's not yeah. what we're suggesting here at all. <laughs> you know, it just occurred to me that may be one of the reasons why it seems that people aren't as crisp answering as they used to be because now we're bombarded more and more um, with with government officials and politicians and, quite frankly, leaders of large organizations that are schooled in how not to answer questions. I, I never thought about that. I don't think, and I, I think you're right. I think people will naturally go, oh, I, you know, I just need to tell them what I want to tell them, which, of course, we hopefully debunk completely in the interview series. But anyway, okay. Um, the, and, of course, what you just talked about leads us to um, the next point, which is elaborate on each theme with visual examples. What we're suggesting here is that you illuminate the skeleton of your example with actual things you did without, going to your point, telling us the whole story. For instance, if I claim that part of my style is delegation, I might add something like, that means I'll sit down with each team member and have picked two to three parts of the mission and walk them through the delegation of it. They get to ask questions, and I get to ensure I'll get regular reports because part of my delegation model includes how often they have to report to me. Or it might say this, when it comes to goal setting, I bring everyone together, conference room, somebody's cube, my office, in fact, sometimes, and we hash out what's needed and what's possible. A lot of times there's a whiteboard involved. I set a time limit. I try to allow the team to get there without my intervention. And if you only hear one thing about the guts of this answer, let it be this. The key to this approach is that the recruiter can close her eyes and see you doing what you're talking about. If you say, I delegate, that's fine as a theme, but it's not enough for a complete answer. If you say, I over-communicate, that's not enough. 
But if you say you over communicate and then say that, that you require everyone to check in every four, you check in every 48 hours with every member by either phone or face to face, or you include a checklist in every one on one meeting, I can actually see you using a checklist in a one on one. I can see you talking to somebody on the phone. I can't see you quote over communicating unquote. I can't see delegation, but I can see you sitting down or as I said, making a checklist. Yeah, absolutely critical point here. I mean, it's safe to say, really, that the heart of our recommendations here is doing your background review, knowing your two, three, or four themes, and then giving them life with these brief examples. Yeah, and and the great thing is, as you go through your inferential work, your background work, those examples are going to be much closer to the surface and easy to, to, to essentially remember what you were doing and say, well, what I was doing was this, this, and this. You're not only going to learn about how you lead, but it, but those examples are going to be right at the tip of your tongue and make it easy to put them into your answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But let's mention our one caution here. I think I mentioned in the beginning, which is be careful with your vocabulary. I pretty regularly hear a couple of phrases that really work against interviewees. They don't work. One is, I like to. That's dangerous. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I really like to do this or I like to do that. That's a dangerous phrase according to psychologists. I've talked to a lot of organizational behavioralists and psychologists and psychiatrists. Um, it suggests that what you're getting is a theoretical answer, not what they actually do. The other phrase is you need to. Well, Mark, when you're in a leadership situation, you need to do X, you need to do Y, you need to look at this, you need to look at that. This is third or second person communication. Which is, again, psychologists, psychiatrists, behavioralists say that's a way that people use to distance them, oneself from one's answer. And it is a dead giveaway in my experience as well. When I first learned this from psychologists, I'm like, no, no, that's just the way people talk. And I've discovered over and over again that folks who tend to communicate that way, that they're not actually telling you what they do. And it may be because they don't know what they do or because they don't want to talk about what they do. Regardless, it's irrelevant. It's a dead giveaway that what you're hearing is likely not their actual way of leading. And probably much more likely is they think they've coming up with the, they're coming up with the perfect example just in order to, they're essentially playing the game rather than being themselves. Right. Which goes back to our earlier point, which is this, our recommendations are based on your actual behavior. Your actual Ethics. leadership style versus yes. making it up. And, and and the key point here is that if it's not, if you play the game like so many others do, it's not that hard for a skilled interviewer to figure that out. You're not fooling right. anybody, really. Yeah. No, no. You know, there are some beginning interviewers, some brand new interviewers, Mike, we, we, we'd have to agree that would say, we would say, well, that guy probably won't catch it. But if you're going to base your preparation for an interview for a job that you really want on the on weakest the interviewers answer, out there, <laughs> yeah, that you're going to get a weak interviewer. Well, good luck with that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And whereas if you prepare as if you're interviewing with, say, me or Mike, if you get an easy interviewer, it'll be a walk in the park. Yeah, I, I wouldn't count on getting a, a an unskilled interviewer if I'm going to GE, for example. Yeah, exactly. Huh? Proctor, GE, Coke. Um, the, the kind of companies that are IBM, uh, even Microsoft, places like that, Intel. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to our next to last recommendation, which is end with a short wrap up. Yeah. After you've delivered your leadership answer, sum it up with one or two or three sentences that bring you back to why you're interviewing. 
We recommend you talk about results you've achieved, what you like about leading, perhaps how your style fits with the culture of the firm you're interviewing with. Whatever you do, do not simply end when you finish talking about your third or second or fourth, your last theme or concept. You've got to help the recruiter know you're done. It may sound like this. And I find when I lead based on those three uh, um, uh, basic premises, I find that the team tends to come together more quickly and we're much more likely to achieve at a high level. Or it might sound like this. Those are the three things I lead. And one of the greatest things about leadership is I'm always learning from the people around me. Um, and if I keep my eyes and ears open, I find that my leadership style improves as I work through difficult situations with great people. Or it might sound like one of my favorite things about leadership. When I lead this way, it gives me opportunities to help other people. And I think that's just a great fit with the culture of your company. You guys talk about how much you want to help people all the time. So I'm excited. Good. Okay. I just made those up on the spur of the moment, so I hope they sound good. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. Uh, I think you passed the test. Talking okay, about tests, how do we pass that final test, and what is it? Yeah, okay, here it is. And I think some people have probably figured it out, but but if there's ever a moment, and I, you know, I, sometimes people kid me about being the dark mark, and I, I admit to that, um, and yet uh, I'm really a pretty nice guy, Um uh, but but if there's ever a time in an interview where you should feel that a, 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 a wizened, a, a, an effective, uh, an experienced recruiter feels like a big cat waiting to pounce on you, it is during the leadership and management style question. And here's why. Um, and I'll just tell you, I love doing it because this is a great test. It totally spreads the field even further. Um and, and it goes like this. After you've been asked for your leadership style, expect to be asked for a specific example of where you led a team or a group. And folks, your answer had better show some or all of the themes that you've just used in your leadership style answer. Oh, wow. I can, I can see people giving a great answer and then being caught totally flat-footed on the second question. Yeah. Oh my or, or, God. You know, what they want to do is they want to ask the second, they want to answer the first question with the second one, which we don't let them do because we want to see whether or not they actually used this stuff they talked about in real life and they're not giving us a theoretical answer. And yeah. let's be honest, that's why nobody likes really, really good interviewers who set the bar really, really high, except for those people who are prepared. Um, but we can say this, if you follow this, these recommendations, your first answer will be very good, and your second answer will, by definition, show some, if not all, of these kinds of skills. And you're going to stand out. The, these two questions could very well be the tiebreaker uh, in many cases, and it's because of some simple prep work um, and then knowing about metacommunication as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so let's, let's sum up the recommendations. We had four points during preparation. Review your accomplishments and when you let or managed. Right. Look for behavioral and communication th themes. Right. Think a little bit about your disk profile. A good check. A good check on things, right? And then choose two, three, or four. could be five uh, themes that describe your style. Right. And then we had five recommendations for delivering your answer. Deliver your topic sentence first, bottom line up front. One sentence, one sentence, one sentence, first sentence, first sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Provide some metacommunication around it. Right. Elaborate on each theme with visual examples. We want the interviewer to see to see, see. you exhibiting yes. those behaviors. Be careful with your vocabulary. 
and end with a short wrap-up. Then we talked about how to pass that clever little final test that evil interviewers like the Dark Mark do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nice guy, I promise. Uh, well, my friend, as always, I appreciate This is some great stuff. This is, um, I really, when people answer these questions well, it's just one of those things that you just say, wow, okay, here's a person who really respects what they're going through. They took the time. They prepared appropriately. And and if the leadership style fits, uh, good answers to these questions uh, really put you on the shortlist very quickly. And we all want to be there. Yep. Thanks, partner. Thanks, my friend. Well, there you go, everyone. Thanks for joining us this month. And uh, we promise we'll, we'll be better at getting these out in a timely uh, fashion. So until next podcast, whether it be one of these monthlies or our regular weekly podcast, have a great one. So long. Yeah.